channel open, welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions podcast network and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on December 19th, 2021, and is current through the Star Trek Discovery episode, The Examples, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a regular news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are multiple television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me and I'll help you sort the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. And wow, what another year in Star Trek it has been. This is our year in review episode for 2021, in which we'll be looking back over the biggest moments in Star Trek over the last 12 months. I hope everyone is having a fabulous holiday season and continuing to stay safe after another challenging year. But I can't look back on the year that was alone. And my guest this week is returning guest, Bill Mann. Bill, happy holidays and welcome back to Weekly Trek. Happy holidays to you and to everyone out there listening. And thanks so much for asking me to come back, Alex. This is always a blast and look forward to talking Star Trek today. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to skip what we're feeling good about Star Trek this week and talk about what we're feeling good about in Star Trek this year by diving straight into the year's top stories. There's a war going on and I'm a reporter. Okay, so to recap the year, we are each going to reveal three of our biggest moments in Star Trek for 2021, which could touch on anything from the shows, live events, merchandise, basically whatever we kind of wanted to talk about as we think back on Star Trek over the last year. What are the kind of big moments that come to mind? So, Bill, hit me with your first one. What's one of your big moments from Star Trek this year? First one that kind of came came to mind for me will probably come to the be at the chagrin of some folks out there, but it's the Alex Kurtzman five-year extension that I think was announced back in the summertime, yep. kind of right before everything started rolling with the consecutive weeks and everything really getting going with the new seasons. This it was a big deal for me because I, you know, there's always talk of these studios dealing with political mass machinations and people coming and going. And it was reassuring to me to see a sign of stability to come, you know, now that we're finally getting into, you know, a lot of these shows getting going, you know, Discovery's well into its run, uh, but we have a drip and drab of new shows all the time now with Lower Decks last year and Prodigy and Strange New Worlds to come. It was reassuring to see that we're on a good road and that we're going to keep on going and we're not looking at a false start and a reset or a, a canceling of things with the, all of those naysayers and rumors out there flight and flying around all over the place on youtube and other places reddit uh this felt like a, a mic drop moment to some extent to kind of silence a lot of that and give some people who don't know and might not know what to believe some reassurance that you know everything's okay we're on a good path and uh we have we have stability for at least the next five years yeah i mean hey love him or hate him <laughs> i guess there are lots of people who fall into both camps right Alex Kurtzman is here to stay as it relates to the Star Trek franchise. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, do we necessarily unreservedly love absolutely anything about the modern generation of Star Trek? I think the answer to that is probably no. But sure. when has there ever been an era of Star Trek that we've unreservedly loved absolutely everything about it, right? I mean, and I think I am really liking his overall 
overall philosophy for the franchise, which this year, I think we have started to see come into much starker relief, right? This idea of empowering showrunners to go out and create, in some cases, quite dramatically different television shows means that you are not watching the Alex Kurtzman show five times over, right? Like to the extent that you could make any claim that Discovery is the brainchild and baby of Alex Kurtzman. And that's definitely the Star Trek show in which it seems like he has the biggest kind of creative hand day to day in terms of, you know, the way the story's going. He still writes episodes. He directs every now and again. But from the franchise perspective, I mean, you look at some of these other shows, right? Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds coming up, even Picard. I mean, you know, and that's four out of five of the shows you can point to and say, you know, I don't know that Alex Kurtzman actually has all that much of sort of a creative decision-making role in the day-to-day of the show. Certainly not in the animated shows where it just seems like that is the Mike McMahon show for Lower Decks and the Kevin and Dan Hageman show for Star Trek Prodigy. And I think that's really great, right? Like my diagnosis of part of the reason why Star Trek ran into trouble beginning in the early 2000s, leading to the cancellation of Enterprise in 2005, is that the creative energies of the franchise had coalesced into too few individuals who were responsible for generating all these new ideas. And by the time they realized that mistake and brought in new, fresh creative blood like Manny Koto to basically run the show for Star Trek Enterprise Season 4, it was already too late. And and I think... has learned a lot of those lessons. And so I'd be really interested to see what other projects will get over the next five years and which creative voices and genres and milieus we will get as part of doing that. Couldn't agree more. I'm just I'm just happy for the stability, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I, I totally understand there, there are folks out there who could take or leave a show here, a show there, maybe even all the new stuff. And, you know, I, I feel for those people on, on some levels, uh, those who are in good faith, at least. But I, I'm grateful that we're not looking at, you know, a, a period of instability and uncertainty. And kind yeah. of, because I remember well the, the those early 2000s days of worrying all the time about Enterprise's status and is it going to go or is it going to stay in those last couple of seasons. And uh, when when there's a any sign of some stability and some predictability with the future, especially as it's just now ramping up and we're getting to see the payoff of all of these decisions, like you were saying, it gave me some peace of mind. And so it was a big deal for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're because of this five-year extension on top of basically the five years we've now already gotten of new Star Trek. I mean, we're locked in for a decade, uh, which we are more or less at the halfway point now. I mean, that's not to say that the decade will be the end, but a decade of confirmed stuff still to come. And it doesn't sound like they're running out of steam or running out of ideas. So, you know, it could end up going much longer than that, but really nice at this stage to know that we have new Star Trek to look forward to all the way out to 2026. That's no bad thing. Absolutely. Okay, well, my first pick is... uh, This zooms us all the way back to January of this year, which was when... After Star Trek Discovery Season 4 got underway filming in November, you have then Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Strange New Worlds get up and running after kind of the worst of the first wave of the pandemic was over in January up in Toronto after, you know, what was a really uncertain year in 
2020, we went into 2020 thinking this is going to be the year of new Star Trek where we'll begin with Picard in January and with all of the shows in production, we're going to get new Trek all the way through the end of the year. And that did not end up happening. We had a big gap after Picard to then pick up with Lower Decks because of the pandemic. There was a ton of uncertainty about finishing Discovery Season 3, which we then got in the fall through the beginning of the new year. And then another big gap between January and August when Lower Decks came back and you know during that time there was all the sort of filming and production going on but now we are poised for that year of new Star Trek right we're in it right now it began in August with Lower Decks skip to Prodigy skip to Discovery which is then going to be followed by Picard season two which is then going to be followed by Strange New World season one which is almost certainly then going to be followed by Lower Decks season three, which is then going to be followed by Prodigy season 1.5, which is then probably going to be followed by Picard season three, because they're filming Picard seasons two and three back to back. So like we could theoretically now run in pretty much all the way through to the beginning of 2023 with new Star Trek. And if they can get some shows into production early next year, you know, like a Strange New World season two, which is rumored, not sure yet what's going on with Discovery season five. But then the train has really left the station in terms of continuous Star Trek. And it all starts back in January with that sort of hopeful moment of, okay, cameras are now back running on Picard and they're running on Strange Worlds. It was like the same week that both shows' productions got back underway and we are reaping the benefits of that right now. This was another of my choices. I couldn't agree with you more. I didn't, you put a pin in it with the finding the January date of some of these shows going into production and the production elements of it really getting rolling. But the the sort of culmination of this Star Trek universe idea, right? That has been mm-hmm. sort of teased going back a couple of years now that, Part of part of the idea here was to have essentially a calendar year of various Star Trek content dripping and drabbing out, and and you know ten weeks of this, maybe thirteen weeks of Discovery, another ten weeks of something else. You know that's sort of been teased and the the goal for quite some time now. And like you were like you were talking about that you know the pandemic certainly I think threw a wrench in maybe the the the, the timing of when that may occur. But having twenty twenty one be the year here at the tail end of it or the Back half of it, really, with uh, Lower Decks taking off and Lower Decks Season 2 taking off in August of 2021. We're finally there, I feel like. it's it's We're, we're into that potentially new golden age of could be 48, 49, 50 of the 52 weeks, you know, featuring a new episode of Star Trek in some form. That's incredibly exciting for me. And um, as somebody who grew up in that previous golden age with an episode of Deep Space Nine and an episode of Voyager every week through the school year, in my mind, September through May, usually, that feels like a long time ago. And just a few short years ago, the idea of this was inconceivable. Five, six years ago, pre-discovery arriving, the idea that we would have you know this much in such a short period of time in, in, a, in a year is, is just an amazing accomplishment. And seeing that come into fruition throughout this year, starting in January, like you mentioned, with the other shows going into production, is probably my number one. That, that would be my number one. I had that at the tail end of my my planned remarks. But that's that's my number one most excited news story for, for this year, for sure. Well, and it's, it's so great because you're totally right, right? In 2018, Kurtzman signs this 
deal to kind of create the Star Trek universe. And that's where the sort of Star Trek universe branding starts showing up in places. But it's really this year in 2021 that it feels like that promise is paying off in a really substantial way. I mean, you could make the argument that 2020 was that year because you had Picard, Lower Decks and Discovery. But those were all season one. Well, with the exception of Discovery, which is season three, it was season one of Lower Decks and season one of Picard. And I think there was still this sort of a question on many fans minds of like will this work right yeah you know is this something that we're gonna respond well to and be okay with and like enjoy you know especially when you know that sort of indication of well we you know we want to take the shows in something of a different kind of tonal direction so you might have a situation where you know you watch a lower deck season finale one week and then you watch a prodigy series premiere the next week and then you watch a discovery season premiere you know the week after that and they're all ultimately quite different. Yeah. And we were, you, I don't know, I think until we obviously got season two of Lower Decks this year and we've got season one of Prodigy and now season four of Discovery, it's not just Star Trek universe in like different tonal flavors. It's also Star Trek universe in terms of just like maturity of the individual projects. You've got the excitement of a new show kicking off. You've got the excitement of a sophomore season and you've got the excitement of a show that's well-established and is kind of barreling straight into season four and really kind of has started to figure out what its identity is in the form of discovery. So yeah, it's like, it's so great because there's so much kind of fun here for us ultimately to enjoy. And again, not kind of burn out on. Yeah, I feel like I would burn out if I had 52 weeks of discovery style Star Trek because it's emotionally very heavy and taxing and i just don't think i i want that kind of star trek for 13 episodes i don't want it for 52 but mix that in (laughs) with a lower decks a prodigy hopefully a strange new worlds having its own tonal difference a picard season two again hopefully having its tonal difference and and the star trek universe is really well and truly underway and 2021 is the year where for me that really seemed like it was happening yeah i can't echo that enough i think the strength of the various tones and flavors that these shows are presenting, I think is another maybe answer to, you kind of alluded to, you know, we can all play Monday morning quarterback now, how many years later, looking back at the early 2000s and sort of the the beginning of the end while Enterprise was on the air and Nemesis and what caused it and who's responsible and what all went into that. I think this approach that the this new regime and the Star Trek universe crew are kind of undertaking is, a, is another antidote to some of the things that may have come in the past because like you mentioned, the the the, the decision making and the the writing and the, the the conceptions of all of those shows really did consolidate into a, a small pack of people, and I feel like it, those shows all had a very consistent tone and flavor, and were kind of of a, of a piece with each other. And now we're getting much more in a more concentrated period of time, but the tones are so radically different from each other. You know, besides the label of Star Trek on them and taking place within this universe that we love, Picard and Prodigy are such vastly different things that other than that label of Star Trek and the the shared universe, they're apples and oranges. I mean, they're they're just unbelievably different things that, that are all here. So that I feel like is an exciting development as well. I think they're making good choices to hopefully avoid some of the things that happened at the end of that last golden era that I know you and I grew up with. And then I think, like you mentioned, 2020 was definitely a tease to this ultimate destination. I think we're winding up in now, but 2020 having like the card and lower deck season one and discovery season three sort of bracketing 
the worst days of the beginning of COVID and mm -hmm. the pandemic and so much uncertainty with the world and where we're going and everything happening in election year. Like there was just so much like heft going on in our lives. And at that point that I don't feel like I could enjoy it as much as I can now. I feel like I can breathe a little bit. We're still dealing with all of these things and the world's still a difficult place, but uh, the consistency of what we're about to get in terms of the, the weeks running and the, the 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 reliability of Star Trek coming all the time, as opposed to that long gap between the end of Picard season one and when Lower Deck started, there was that pretty substantial gap there in 2020. This feels new. Uh, this definitely feels like the payoff. 2020 was like the tease of what you know could could be coming, and I, I think we're we're there at, at this point. Certainly feels that way. The other thing I was thinking too while you were talking was this is also the first year in which multiple shows have really sort of occupied our brain space simultaneously, right? In the sense that last year you got just a tiny little bit of this with the fact that Lower Deck season two and Discovery season three were abutting each other. So some of the publicity campaign around Discovery season three was ramping up while Lower Deck season two was still ramping down. But this year, but you know, sort of prior to that, previous seasons of Discovery in the kind of six months running up to those seasons premiering, they sort of owned the Star Trek narrative, right? Yes, definitely. Same with Picard season one. Same with Lower Deck season one. Very much so. Less so with Discovery season three, less so with Lower Deck season two, and less with each one in the sense that, you know, we just, this came up in, in the last couple of weeks episodes around this question of like, when does the Strange New Worlds hype machine really start get going? Because it's not really going to kind of have a space where there's no Star Trek on the air for a couple of months in which it can kind of own and dominate that conversation. It's going to have to do it with Star Trek Discovery Season 4 winding down, Star Trek Prodigy Season 1.0 winding down, Star Trek Picard Season 2 winding up and, you know, running its whole course. And so that's another in really interesting thing too. And, and I think, you know, sort of the, this was not one of my picks, but it, but it kind of comes sort of the sort of extension of that is this idea of like the studio doing much more around these like franchise publicity days, first contact day, Star Trek day, etc. Yeah. And that's also been a really kind of interesting new approach, which yes, they first started in 2020, but 2021 feels like it's really sort of you know, professionalized it. So that that's also just another element of like, it really is the Star Trek universe because it's not like, okay, think Star Trek Discovery, then stop thinking Discovery and start thinking Picard and then stop thinking Picard and start thinking Lower Decks. We, yeah. as fans, are being exposed to all of this all the time. Totally true. And it's a, it's a whole new world, for sure. That's, that's, a, that's a great point that I hadn't considered. Uh, but it, there's so many things that go hand in hand with all of this. Like it, now we're living in a space where you kind of, I find myself doing it all the time. I'll open up a calendar and I'm just like looking at it and trying to piece together, you know, when things are going to hit. And like mm -hmm. you were saying, when are they going to start ramping things up? When does it make sense to start ramping up the show that's two shows away and maybe 25 weeks away? But like you said, there's no natural windup available in terms of dates and months and weeks that are there because something else is consuming that space. So there's all kinds of things to think about and watch. And it's going to be interesting to see them navigate, you know, how best to do it and what works and what doesn't. And it's all exciting. I mean, it's it, like I said a couple of minutes ago as well. And I, I keep reminding myself, thinking back to myself when like Star Trek Beyond was about to hit in 2016, the sheer notion of thinking of these things and having these, these, yeah. <laughs> these things were, were so far away and so, so far fetched. And just a few short years later, here we are. And it's exciting times. Yeah. I mean, I vividly remember STLV 2014 on the last day 
I think I've t- I think I might have told this story before, but uh, I'm going to tell it again anyway. SCLV 2014 on the very last day, I went upstairs to my hotel room and I started crying. And the reason I was crying at that point was this sense that the kind of JJ movies were ongoing. You know, Star Trek Into Darkness had happened, and Beyond. I can't remember if Beyond had been greenlit at that point or not, but the expectation was there that there would be this third movie. But I just felt this overwhelming sadness about the concept of the kind of you know Star Trek that I really loved, aka Star Trek on television. Yeah. Just felt like it was over. It felt like it was mm-hmm. done, and that of course I was going to come back to this convention every year, but it was always going to be with this sense of the thing that we were there to talk about receding further and further into into kind of distant memory. You know, every kind of year that passed, and yet it was only you know a year or two later that Discovery was announced. A year or two after that, Star Trek Universe, and now it's like. Yes, I still go to Star Trek conventions for The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise in the original series. But I'm also now there for Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds. You know, it's like, it's so funny how much things have changed. You know, that was only uh, six years ago. And now here we are and everything is totally, totally different. Amazing. Amazing chain of events have led us up here, up to this point, for sure. And it's it's been a heck of a few years in, in the Star Trek universe. Exciting. So I don't know what else to say other than it's I'm, I'm beyond happy because I echo everything you're saying. And I, you're, we're right around the same age. I think we grew up around this in very similar ways. So I feel a lot of the same attachments and feelings towards the, the, the stuff of old and the stuff of new simultaneously. And it's, it's just really exciting to be at this point with, with where it stands. Well, speaking of generational issues and passing the torch from generation to generation, I guess the next kind of pick that was on my list is probably this launch of Star Trek Prodigy that we've just had in the first five episodes. And then that kind of kicking off this potentially whole new line of Star Trek programming for your younger audience, right? This is kind of like the different flavor of Star Trek conversation we've just been having, but sort of reconstituted from different flavors of Star Trek to different audiences. And I'm really excited by Star Trek Prodigy and the prospect of it, not just for the fact that it seems like a great show, five episodes in, really, really enjoying it, but because of the potential that has for growing the fandom amongst a younger audience to ensure that, you know, we can go to STLV 2031 and 41 and 51 and 61 and the people around us hopefully will, yes, we will age, but hopefully the convention attendees as a whole will not age right along with us because there aren't, you know, kind of younger fans kind of coming into the fandom and experiencing everything that Star Trek has to bring to the table coming up behind us. So this is, I think, when they first announced the kids show, obviously it was very explicitly with the intention of trying to grow that audience, but I don't know that we in the kind of adult fan community really sort of then kind of took a step back and said, I mean, with the exception of like, "Ah, do I want to watch a kid's show? Do I not want to watch a kid's show? For which for me, the answer now, after having seen the first five episodes is unequivocally, yeah, I want to watch a kid's show. You know, like what's the kind of bigger impact on the franchise as a whole and coming out within one day of the show having been premiered and already kind of seeding 
interesting potential speculation around the possibility of a Star Trek Prodigy movie of some kind yeah. is very, very exciting and very hopeful for the future. I, I totally agree. And I can speak from experience here. I think we're underestimating how impactful Star Trek Prodigy can be. And it yeah. goes beyond even turning kids on to it. My best friend is the furthest thing from a Star Trek fan. He, he, he knows me very well. He knows I love Star Trek. Uh, and he's aware of it kind of on the fringes, you know, he's a Kirk and Spock are, he's seen the one with the whales. He's seen little bits of the next generation here or there because he's around me enough to absorb some of it. He's got a young daughter. Uh, so he's newly open to television shows that are aimed at that demographic. And I showed him product and he really enjoyed it. He asked for more like the next week after I showed him the first episode. And I think that's a testament to the show's ability to not just catch the little kid who's watching it and seeing it on Nickelodeon, Maybe the mom or the dad or the grandfather or the, the uncle who's there with the kid on the couch, kind of half paying attention, might go, wait a minute, I have Star Trek. And I think the, the genius of that show so far is the skill that it has demonstrated at showing the building blocks of Star Trek and explaining them in a in a clear, succinct way. Because by speaking anecdotally for myself with my friend, one of the things that's dawning about Star Trek is the sheer size of it, how much of it there is and how large yeah, the world right. is. And how do I even yeah. understand it? Where do the shows fit? I don't under, like, it's just a lot of work for people yeah. who are new to it and don't understand. And having hologram Janeway explain to these characters, this is what the Federation is. This is what it does. This is why it exists. This is who's in it. This is what a replicator does. This is what a phaser is. That stuff matters to not just the, the, the child who's experiencing it for the first time, but maybe the open-minded adult who's kind of half absorbing it from the, the back corner of the room and, you know, might spark their imagination as well as the child's. And I, I kind of saw that happen and leaves me really optimistic that it's going to bring people in because of where that show is situated, who it's aimed at, who might stumble into it by accident. In many, the same ways that the, the JJ movies did, that 09 did, like it, it may just catch people on the periphery of who might be inclined to give it a chance, even accidentally. And, and draw some of those folks in. And we might be looking at new fans as a result. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, you know, we've only gotten a taste so far. First five episodes, you know, obviously five episodes still to come for this first half of the season and then 10 more episodes towards the end of next year. And I guess the other interesting thing that I kind of heard a couple of days ago was um, I was listening to Discovering Trek and they had Kevin and Dan Hageman on the podcast. They were doing an interview with him and they were talking about their work on season two of Prodigy and mentioning that big picture. They were working on episodes 35 and 36 at the time, Ooh. which very strongly implies to me that Prodigy season two will also have 20 episodes in the way wow. that season one has 20 episodes, because Exciting. that means that we know of 20 and they're saying they're like through working on 15 more on top of that wow. starting to close in on on that season finale so there's lots of prodigy on the way already i mean if they've got 35 36 episodes they're already working on then they already have more episode scripts than picard has which only has 30 <laughs> and they're already making a gunning really strongly on discoveries yeah. which you know they're only four seasons 13 14 15 episode seasons so they're probably only at like 50 or 60 episodes it's not going to take too long for Prodigy to be the kind of big producer of new content for this era of Star Trek. And again, you know, for, for all the reasons that you laid out, you know, that is 100% no bad thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the quality of the show, the, 
the beauty of the animation, the quality of characters. I'm, I'm all in on the project. All right, give me your last pick. My last pick, I, I'm not even sure I can pin exactly when this came about. It started, it was more like a trickle following folks like you and the Trek Tour account and, uh, and, and, and Jorg. Uh, the remastering of the movies in 4K. Yes. Is a huge deal and... I think it's an underrated development. Those, as as I think folks like you have demonstrated over and over again, the 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 2009 transfers of movies like The Search for Spock and The Mission Picture are trash. <laughs> it's really it's really not good. Yeah, and they desperately needed to be fixed, and it's so nice to be able to look forward to revisiting those movies again as they were meant to be seen, without waxy DNR to death faces and really really. And then on top of that, the, the sort of extra piece of the motion picture director's cut coming back and that being remastered and giving that movie some extra juice. I haven't seen that director's cut in many, many years, and I'm looking forward to revisiting that as well. And uh, yeah, I just think it's an underrated development to finally get good quality transfers of those movies readily available again. A hundred percent. I just watched those first four movies on the ultra high def blu-rays because it's part of my franchise rewatch and then i watched five and six on paramount plus with the old transfers and it's funny you know i'd never i was never one of those guys who like could point out why things were really wrong about the way that you know previous remasterings or other high def upgrades had gone you know my sort of general reaction was does it look clearer than what i saw before yet then i'm fine then it's great no then you know then why did I bother? But a lot of that other stuff, you know, that like until I really watched those movies back to back, I had never really appreciated the whole like, you know, waxy face thing. Yeah. And then I was watching, you know, I watched one, two, three, four, and then I watched Star Trek five, which, you know, was enough of a painful experience because I was watching Star Trek five. And then I was like, Oh my god! I I I finally can really see yeah. what the problem is here. They all look terrible. <laughs> Everybody looks ill in Star Trek Five and Star Trek Six, right? Like they all look like they have COVID because they do have this sort of washed out, yeah, washed out, waxy complexion that really does look like somebody who's getting over a nasty bout of flu. Yeah. And while it might make the details on their faces look crisper like human beings aren't supposed to look like madame tussauds waxworks models and yet in five and six they really do look that way and i you know i must have seen those movies on blu-ray since they came out in 2009 five six you know maybe 10 times and it it just never really clicked with me until this time yeah to be fair i'm I'm in the exact same boat i am not i'm the furthest thing from what's the what's the visual version of audiophile like the the folks who really can dig into that and, and detect those imperfections like i that is not me. And to be to be honest, I don't know that I would have responded so passionately in favor of these new transfers without folks like you who were kind of shining a light on the, the and on the Trek Horror account and the other folks who have really been on this and looking at the difference and, and putting up those side-by-side comparisons of the two remasterings. And that that was really eye-opening, seeing the, the color correction on planets and, and the, the hull of the ship and the, all that stuff it really it was really jarring to to see it side by side that way with the with the the benefit of having the, these new 4k restorations to to have a comparison look i think being able to see what it what it's supposed to look like in that high definition image is really the thing that exposed i think how 
unfortunate those 2009 transfers were and how we've been living with them for a decade now. And like you said, I, that's that's my memory of those movies now because I've been watching them on the on that Blu-ray set for right. so long now. And uh, my experience with them in HD, and before that, it was DVD and VHS. And so, yeah, like you said, it's clearly a cleaner picture than, than they were. It's, it's a better than VHS tape experience, but I'm, I'm really excited to really dive into those movies with the new transfers and to experience them again, hopefully as as positively as the just looking at pictures has been. Yeah, hopefully early 2022 brings us 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 too. Hopefully, yeah. Because that would be, you know, that'd be, an, that'd be a nice gift for next year. And as you say, you know, uh, Motion Picture Director's Edition, that's a really exciting project. The new glimpses that we got this yeah. past week of of that movie are, uh, yeah, really, really great. And and the Director's Edition does, and I've, I've said this a lot so far this year, it does significantly improve the movie as a whole. And yeah, if it's been many years since you've watched it, I would say, write it out, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, wait for the 4K remaster, because I think it'll be really worth it to have some distance and have the theatrical version more strongly in your memory to kind of see the difference between the two different presentations of the same script and the same movie. It really is quite, quite significant. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. All right. So my last main pick for 2021 is actually, you know, the Star Trek merchandise situation, I think is improving quite a bit. It's improved a lot this year and uh, there's big things on the horizon for 2022. Obviously it was announced this year, but won't happen until next year that Playmates Toys has uh, re-upped the Star Trek license after a decade away and are preparing for a bold re-entry into Star Trek action figures, you know, ships, accessories, all the same kind of things that they did when they kind of were king of the Star Trek toy universe in the early to mid-90s. And, you know, fingers crossed that's going to be a stellar success once it gets back underway again. But this year has been nothing to sniff at too. I mean, there's been like XO6 with the one six figures where they've done, you know, five releases that they've taken pre-orders for so far this year. Now those are big, yes, expensive, but probably, you know, quite time consuming products to make. And yet they've made five of them. And it seems like there are a bunch more ready to come. Factory Entertainment has done some really nice high quality prop replicas. Eagle Moss obviously have continued kind of pumping out starships and, and their book publishing line continues moving at warp speed. I think there's probably been, you know, like six or seven, even eight books that have come out from Hero Collector Publishing in the Star Trek space so far this year, even with all the supply chain challenges that that company specifically seems to have been facing more than others. There's just been a lot of good stuff for fans to engage with. And while it's not perfect, right? Prodigy has now been out for a couple of months. There's still not really any Prodigy merchandise you can buy outside of a logo t-shirt and a mug. They does seem to be progress and I think as and to kind of sort of come back to where we first started, right? This idea that there's going to be five more years of Alex Kurtzman's leadership, which means five more years of televised Star Trek on Paramount Plus means that that I think creates some confidence for potential licensees that 
you know, they can confidently move into this market because, you know, there are going to be shows around for the next five years that they can capitalize on. So yeah, really, really exciting. But this <laughs> this one is a little more of a kind of a, a look forward than a look back, but I'm very excited to see what comes from the new Playmates license and really hoping yes. it will be early 2022 when they start showing us some possible products in their Star Trek line. Yeah, was that a development in 2021? The, the yeah, Playmates yeah, they announced was- it in like July or August, I think. Okay. But with the expectation, I the, the announcement said that, you know, we're announcing this now, but the first products won't be available until 2022. I that That's definitely, you know, there's it does. I totally agree that there's a lot of really promising tea leaves out there with, with the potential for really exciting merch, some of which is already out there. Uh, but the Playmates thing is what has me the most excited because as I've mentioned a couple of times, I grew up in that 90s era. Those Playmates figures were well-worn for, for a lot of those years for me. And they were they were highlights. I, I looked forward to, to, to collecting them and I, I have a ton of them laying around here. And the, just the, the, the idea that that's back and that there's uh, the potential for a uh, sort of return to form on that front is is very exciting, especially like you said, now that there's the stability with the five-year deal and some of these shows are sticking around and are going to have some legs. Uh, I'm really hoping that there's maybe a nice mix of some throwback stuff. I'd love to see the return of some some of those 90 shows to that you know, merchandising space and uh, with all the new stuff as well. It's, it's hopefully an exciting future uh, to come with, with that stuff. Yeah, it put me on a bit of a nostalgic eBay trip the back half of this year i mean i've bought i like action figures that are out of the packaging because i think Uh, you know you want to display them and sure and do little you know dioramas with them and stuff so i've i've probably bought like a hundred out of the packet action figures off of people who you know just in the last kind of two three months as well as a bunch of the ship toys many of which i'd had but on a recent trip back to the uk discovered that the they had not withstood the test of time um so (laughs) i got myself new versions of like the defiant and the voyager which playmates did and were and were you know really terrific versions of those toys but yes you know i i even when i was in the uk in september i made it a high priority to bring back my Playmates Enterprise D bridge, which is now sitting so here cool. on display in my office as well, because it's just, it's such a fabulous toy. And I'm sure yeah. that Playmates is not going to get back to that level of production. I think, you know, let's keep expectations managed about what's ultimately <laughs> going to be possible, at least in the short term. But hey, if they start producing stuff and people start buying it, well, then that does hold the potential for a lot more of that stuff down the line. So, you know, I think we've been moaning and complaining for years, quite rightly in many cases, about the lack of available merchandise in the Star Trek franchise. And I'm very hopeful that 2021 is a prologue for a really robust 2022 and beyond. All right. So what did we not talk about that we feel like we probably should name check as part of a year in review episode? I got a couple things that I'm excited about. The I, I really enjoyed Star Trek Day. And I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. I remember how the that was received, but my memory of it was really positive. It was exciting to see people in person again at, at an event like that. Uh, after a couple of years of having these virtual events, the Star Trek based stuff, the first contact based stuff that were that tended to be Zoom meets and virtual panels, uh, getting to see people interacting. And I, I just remember watching at one point seeing like Anthony Montgomery there and running over to greet, the not visitor or something like there was a mm-hmm. weird mix, just seeing that kind of interaction as somebody who, as I'm about to talk about, hasn't been on the convention circuit much over the years. That, that was really exciting. I loved the Jeff Russo musical interludes throughout it and i really enjoyed that and there was some neat little tidbits of news that came from that the, the strange new world character announcement yep. the, 
there, there were there, that was an eventful day, and I really enjoyed that. It was that was an exciting night of kind of enveloping myself in just Star Trek stuff for a few hours in a way that felt new and exciting. And just to piggyback off that, like I just kind of alluded to, I'm, I'm excited about the new official Star Trek convention, kind of bouncing around and going to different parts of the country. Pre-COVID, right in 2020, I was hoping and planning to start making that a, an annual thing, or at least trying to get back into going to a convention here or there. I hadn't done it for years, still haven't. Uh, and I'm really excited at the idea of seeing that official Star Trek convention that, you know, might be the closest thing to like a Star Trek mecca, at least here in North America, move around. And, you know, the prospect I live in the Philadelphia area that maybe someday it'll come to this part of the country uh, it was really exciting to me. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that convention goes in what is it, April this year in Chicago. Yep. And, April um, 8th to 10th. Yep. And uh, where it goes from there. And so they, they would be my two kind of honorable mention sorts of things that deserve some conversation, I think, at least in my mind. Yeah, let's beat this Omicron bullshit yeah, because really. I'm ready to get to the official Star Trek convention in April in Chicago. And yeah, that was an exciting announcement. I think that, you know, this year we had kind of that sort of virtual first contact day. I would imagine a lot of that kind of programming is now going to be subsumed by that official convention yeah. in Chicago, which is very exciting. And yeah, Star Patrick Day, excellent, fun experience. You know, it's really nice that that they can do that kind of thing. I I heard that it w- did end up being a, a stripped down event from what was originally planned because of then uh, remember remember the Delta variant. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> and but still, it was so nice the fact that it was a back in person. The Zoom thing that they've done, obviously by necessity, you lack some of the chemistry that exists between folks it's like only the most kind of charismatic of cast members and i'm looking i'm thinking particularly of the lower decks cast can do their best to maximize that kind of way of of communicating with fans so yeah it was nice to see them sort of back in person and and, you know just sort of that sort of sense that they had kind of professionalized a lot of that sort of star trek universe kind of publicity stuff which will now sort of keep rolling into 2022 and means that we can feel fairly confident we've got first contact day to look forward to in the form of probably Star Trek Mission Chicago. We've got a Star Trek day to look forward to. We know we're going to have a, it's not official, but it's still going to be a big Star Trek convention in Las Vegas at the end of August. Um, So now there are these sort of waypoints throughout the year at which we can say, we can feel fairly confident that Star Trek Mission Chicago, San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, Star Trek day, that there are points in the year where news announcements kind of big things will be coming and and it's always nice to have something to look forward to on the calendar i love it when we get the surprise news drops because you weren't expecting it and you know i remember captain picard day rolled around and they gave us that first trailer for picard that had episodic footage that didn't come from from uh, first contact day that was the one where they kind of just sort of given us the like tour of the office type thing it yeah. was captain picard day we got our first look at picard season two and that was a complete surprise i do like that kind yes. of stuff but it's also nice to have specific things on the calendar that you can put on your calendar and say i'm looking forward to this and i'm going to make time for this and have it coming up so yeah looking forward to more of that in 2022 as well Definitely. and we're talking about all the good i mean it we would be remiss without at least acknowledging the complete debacle that was viacom cbs's discovery season 
for rollout. Obviously, it's they are still working on correcting that situation in a number of countries. Uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 4 is still not available in Ireland, for example, still not available in Puerto Rico. But for a number of countries, the UK, Germany, Australia, it seems like, you know, they've they've kind of figured out their rhythm for how to get Season 4 into the hands of fans. And But I think that, you know, there's obviously probably smaller missteps we could talk a lot about, which I, you know, I don't particularly feel like we need to walk down that path. But yeah, I mean, we should definitely acknowledge that there was yeah. one big corporate boo-boo this year. And, uh, but fortunately, they worked very quickly and have, you know, mostly fixed the issues so that fans can can access the show in legal and appropriate ways. But yeah, it wouldn't be a year in review episode without without another little another little dig at the corporation so that they remember not to do this kind of thing in the future. Yeah, hopefully that never happens again. That was definitely the low point. And even as somebody who you know lives in the United States and was was not going to be affected by that, it was a, it was a, I was sick in my stomach for days about yeah. that because I'm, I, I've gotten because of the beauty of the internet, the good side of the internet. I know very many people who who do not live in the United States and love Star Trek, and that was such a blow to their their fandom. It was just a, it was it was a, it was an insult and really really a shame, and it made me feel self conscious about being excited about it and expressing my excitement about it and talking about it in a positive way because it was such a sore subject and, and rightfully so. So I'm thrilled that they mostly corrected it and gave at least those folks a an opportunity to see it in most countries. Not a perfect solution by any means um, and hope that there are some good things on the horizon with the, the rollout of Paramount Plus internationally, hopefully in the, in the coming year. But that was a debacle and they should be ashamed of themselves, and I'm glad they fixed it to some extent, but they should be ashamed of themselves for, yep. for allowing that to happen. 100%. Anything else we haven't talked about so far? I don't think so. I covered my big ones for sure, and appreciate the opportunity. To, yeah, to absolutely. Hey, it was a huge year for Star Trek, and I think 2022 is also going to be another big year for Star Trek, so plenty to look forward to. And on a more personal note, I'm approaching my three-year anniversary of hosting the show. My first episode was January 6, 2019, and I'm now heading wow. into 2022 uh, doing this show, so I've now got three years under my belt as the host of Weekly Trek. It's been an absolute blast, and I am looking forward to continuing to host this show and bringing you all the Star Trek news that's fit to talk about for as long as they are making it, which at this rate sounds like I'm I'm on the hook now for doing the show until at least 2026. So, but yeah, having a great time and and looking forward to to doing more. Kudos to you, Alex. It's a great show. I love listening to it. I love the the rotation of guests and the the diversity of of the voices that come on with you to to talk about all this stuff. And it's with so much out there in terms of what's happening and rumors and what's real and what's not. It's it's a comforting thing to be able to every week get a, a well-reasoned uh, look at what's happening and what's likely and what's not. And I can't thank you enough for sticking with it and having this be a, a three-year thing and hopefully any more years to come. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. I will Venmo you the $20 we agreed on for you to read out what I wrote. You know, I'm kidding. That was very kind of you. I really appreciate it. Do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, Prodigy, or the future of the franchise that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek or email them to me at Weekly Trek at the tricordertransmissions.com and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek, and that's Weekly Trek in the books for 2021. Thank you so much to my guest, Bill Mann, for joining me today. Bill, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? Folks can find me on Twitter at TrekFan4387 and on YouTube on the Trek Live Show. Uh, usually weekly live stream conversations, pretty stream of consciousness kinds of deals, talking about various topics, covering all these different shows. 
so I'd say those are the two best ways to find me, Twitter and YouTube. And both are well, well worth anybody's time. Thank you. And you can find the show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander C. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you'll turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, which I guess will be next year, Happy New Year, one and all. Happy New Holidays, one and all. And I hope you live long and prosper. 